Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. So glad you made it. What a beautiful day in God's house. Last week, we celebrated five years as a church. Yeah. And so what we did last week, we recasted the vision of our church because the Bible says that without vision, we perish. We need to be refocused. We need to have a mission and a focus so we don't drift away and we don't just exist. Amen? And so we said that, that God called us to establish a new normal in this region. And so today, as you see these amazing people getting baptized, that, my friends, is what the new normal looks like. The old is gone, the new has come. And we show you the game plan that we have here. It looks like this. This is our game plan. We want new people to come in and feel welcome from the parking lot. We want them to meet Jesus because, because life is better with Jesus. Life is just better with Jesus. And... You're better at life because of Jesus. Come on. We want them to commit to Jesus, which is baptism. It's the outward expression of our faith in him. We want you to join the mission. If you haven't yet, this coming weekend is for you. And then we want you to find a crew because, again, life is better together. Jesus had a crew, and he taught us how to do life together. And uh, how many of you guys have joined a crew? How many of you guys have joined a crew? As of last week, we had 436 people that joined the crew. Our goal is to have at least 500, so if you haven't joined yet. And I was arresting people on the hallways, have you joined a crew yet? And someone sent me this meme about last week. Someone sent me this. I love it. Guess what? Get your blindfolds ready. Because I'm coming again <laughs> after the service. If you haven't joined a crew yet, that's for you. But we want you to do like, listen, look around you. There's so many people here. We don't want no one to feel like they're just a face in the crowd. We want you to get connected, get plugged in, find a crew that's going to help you, support you, love you, be there for you. Can you say amen? Yeah. And we want you to go back to the game plan to reach out because Jesus said he came to serve. And it is more blessed to give than to receive. And you don't know that until you actually do it, you know. And so that's what Serve the City is all about. And today I want to focus on this last part here, which is to reproduce. You see, a disciple is called to make other disciples. We're not called to keep this to ourselves. We're called to branch out and and reach more and more people with the gospel of Jesus. Can you say amen? So we're going to go back to 2 Corinthians, and we're going to cover the rest of this mandate that we have And we're going to pick up from the the Bible verse that has become the lifeblood of this church, verse 17, that says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. You want to circle that. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of now reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. 
He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Can you say amen? We're going to stop there for a second. So my friends, that is the whole point of Christianity in a nutshell. Jesus came. He rescued us. Now he says, now go become part of the rescue mission of reconcile the world back to God. Can you say amen? amen. Now, if you've ever been in a situation where you witness an injustice and it made you upset because no one likes to see someone being mistreated, right? No one wants to see an injustice go unpunished. Have you ever been in a situation when you've seen an injustice and he just made you angry? Am I talking to people here? You all are just looking at me. Have you ever been in a situation when you witness an injustice? Okay, good. I'm not talking to robots because y'all are just... What's an injustice? Have you ever watched a movie when the bad guy is getting away with something? And you're like, man, I can't wait for this person to get caught. Right? Have you ever watched your favorite show and something terrible is going wrong and you're like, someone needs to pay for that? Have you ever been in your workplace and someone has been mistreated and you're like... And you start singing to Jesus because you're about to lay hands on somebody in Jesus' name. Okay, that's better. I'm talking to real people. We've all been there, right? When we've seen an injustice and, and we want justice. You ever watch the news and you feel like, we need justice. Justice needs to prevail. Right? And where does that come from? I believe it comes from the fact that God created us in his image and likeness. He's a just God. He believes in justice. And he, and he wants justice for everybody. But here's the catch today, my friends. What happens when you're the one who committed the injustice? What happens when he's you on the hook? The story changes a little bit, doesn't it? We're like, yeah, but I'm not perfect. Right? Isn't it fascinating how it switches real quick when it's like us on the hook and we're like, man, yeah, but you know, everybody makes mistakes. But a minute ago, you're about to kill somebody for making a mistake. Right? And so, and so we all have committed injustices, the Bible says. And you know what the Bible says? It said every single person has done something against the will of God. So what happens when that injustice also needs to be paid for? Because God is a just God. He can't, he can't turn a blind eye to injustice. If you turn a blind eye to injustice, you wouldn't be just. And, right, right? and so it's critical that justice prevails. But how does justice prevail when I'm on the hook? My friends, this is the gospel. Is that I was on the hook, but Jesus decided to take my place. Because justice has to prevail. We have to understand today, my friends, that that is all of our story. All of us have been on the hook. All of us have disobeyed. All of us have gone astray. All of us decided to live life the way we wanted to live life. And in the meantime, someone had to pay for that. But God is so good that he's like, I don't want to punish you. I want to take your punishment because I love you too much to punish you. Imagine as a parent, you have a child that keeps disobeying you. And you're like, that's every day of my life. But imagine this child keeps disobeying you and disobeying you and you're like, you've given them so many chances and you've tried to reason with them. Sometimes you even try to buy them, right? You, if you just do this. Oh, we don't have real parents in the house? Like, 
But they keep doing it. You can't seem to find a way to fix the situation. And you, and you, and you come up with this revelation. And you're like, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if this time when he does something wrong, what if instead of punishing him, I punish myself? That would be weird, wouldn't it? But my friends, that's the gospel. The gospel is God decided, man, I love humanity too much. And I don't want to bring my wrath upon them. I'd rather put it on my son so like that they can see how much I love them and care about them. So like that, maybe, perhaps, they won't try to do the right things out of obligation, but they'll do it out of love and appreciation for what I've done for them. My friends, that's the gospel. That's the good news. And we all fall short. But still, God in his goodness and justice and righteousness decided to put his righteousness on us. I want to show you something today that, that this is what it looks like when Jesus decided to put his righteousness on us. Ariel, would you come up for a second? I want to show you something. This, my friends, is what we call the beautiful exchange. It's a great mystery. How can this be so? Right? You have to understand this today, that she represents humanity. She represents all of us. All of us have fallen short. All of us have done things that, that, that we shouldn't be doing. All of us have gone astray, decided to do life our own way. I don't care if you've been baptized. I don't care if you've been catechized. I don't care if you've been tricotized. It doesn't matter. You fall short of the good news. And so Jesus is the king of the world. He's the CEO of heaven. He wears the crown. The Bible says he's back now next to God the Father ruling the earth. He's not a peasant. He's a king. He's a king. But he couldn't live without you. And he decided, what if we exchange natures? What if we exchange our righteousness for your unrighteousness? And so he decided, listen, I know, listen, if you try to go and do this, you don't have what it takes to pay for your sins. You will always fall short. This is why we spend so much energy trying to justify ourselves. And we say things like, I'm a good person. You know, I don't hurt anybody. It doesn't matter what you've done or didn't do. It's never going to be enough. That's the problem with sin. It will always require more sacrifice. It will always require more sacrifice. And he said, listen, you guys can keep living that way or you can accept what I'm about to do for you. And so what he does is he says, I know this is where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to pay. But the problem is you don't have enough currency to pay. You don't have enough perfection to play because your blood has been defected by sin. But there's a one who has a perfect blood who can, who can give you transfusion. My friends, this is a perfect blood transfusion. His blood for your blood. So what does he do as the king of the universe, as the lord of all lords, as the leader of all leaders? He says, what if we exchange places? What if I came and decided to serve you? What if I took my crown down and put it on you? What if I made you my righteousness? You didn't earn this. You don't deserve this. This is me inputting my righteousness on you, and I decided to go where you're supposed to be and take my sins upon you. My friends, what a mystery. How can this be? How can one person pay for the sins of the world? It's hard to explain, but guess what? 
Every single time we baptize, he's saying once again, look, that's how I do it. I take one person at a time and I exchange their sins from my righteousness. You know, it's amazing. The Bible says one day when you get to heaven, what you will do is, and I don't know if this is a figure of speech or it's going to be a real crown, but he says, because we're so grateful for what he did for us, we're going to take the crown and lay it on our heads, and one day we're going to lay it at his feet. And all we can say is, thank you, Jesus. What an amazing love. What a sacrifice. Thank you so much for covering me, for loving me, for forgiving me, for saving me, for anointing me, for making me who I am today. Come on, somebody. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's a gift. It's a gift from God the Father to you. My friends, Jesus wants you forever, and he has scars to prove it. Did you know this? When you go to heaven, he will still have the scars. Because forever, it's imprinted in him the love that he has for every single human being on the face of the planet. And he says, if you just accept my sacrifice, I am transforming you from within. I'm giving you my blood. Now the blood of Jesus, righteousness, king, savior, Lord, is running through your veins. You're not just a peasant anymore. You are a child of the most high God. And my friends, that's good news. In a world of bad news, we need more good news. When you say gospel, that's what you're saying. Good news. That God loves all people and he wants to now do the ministry of reconciling people. The word reconciliation simply means this. It's just the restoration of friendly relations. In other words, when you read the Bible in the beginning, there was perfect revelation there. Perfect relationship between God and man. And he's like, I want to bring us back to that. See, that's why you have to restore things, right, back to the original state. That's what God's doing with you guys. He's restoring you back to your original state. He created you good. He loves you. He's for you. That's why he's cleansing you to make sure that there's nothing's going to hold you back from his perfect will for your lives. We're thankful for every single one of you. So he says, now that you know that, you have a role to play. Look, he goes on now in verse 19. Look, verse 20, he says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. My friends, that is... The only response left from us, that this thing is so good, which, by the way, the hardest part about this message I was praying about this morning is, man, do we actually believe it? We can go to church all our lives and say all the right things, but are we actually living like we're forgiving, like we're forgiven, like we're justified? We may be made right with God. I'm not trying to get right with God. I am right with God because of Jesus Christ, his blood and righteousness has covered me. I have his blood running through my veins. You got to believe the gospel, first of all. The sad reality is most people don't know the gospel. They know religion. Most people know catechism, but they never met Jesus. 
Most people have done the altar boy, but they never met the one who has the altar. Most people have done the cross sign, but they've never been crucified to themselves. We need to know Jesus as our righteousness and our peace and our Lord. This is not just for new people. You could be going to church for 50 years and still don't know the gospel. You haven't fully submerged yourself in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when that happens, now you want to be an ambassador. What is an ambassador? It's a representative. An ambassador, all he does is represent his nation or the activity that he stands for. The U.S. has ambassadors all over the world. You know what they do? They're there to represent the country, not themselves. My friends, you know you've met Jesus when you no longer live for yourself, but you're living for him. You're living to represent him and him alone. That's what it means to be an ambassador of Jesus, a representative, a promoter. Now of what? Just good news. This is why religion stinks, because you promote do's and don'ts and regulations, who's in, who's out. That stuff means nothing if you don't know the gospel. It's good news for everyone. My friends, there's two things we all need to understand this morning. When you understand the righteousness of Jesus on you, now how do you become an ambassador? First of all, you need to be extremely immersed in the gospel. Not in church. In the gospel. Right? And I want to give you a passage today that this is my goal this week, is for you to read the same passage every single day. Let it permeate your soul. Let it permeate your mind. Maybe read it in different translations. And let it really, you know, listen, here's what we need, right? I love tea. Anybody love tea in the house? Like, you love tea? I don't know about you, but I love the moment where I take the tea bag. And and it permeates the water. And it begins to transform that water. My friends, that's what we need to happen in our souls. Take the gospel. Let it permeate your soul and begin to transform it from the inside out. Because when it's just water, it's blah. But when you put a little tea bag in there and it permeates the whole thing. And it changes from just water to flavor water. Basically. Depending on how you take your tea. I like a lot of tea with my sugar. That's my gospel. Nice and sweet. But my friends, we need to be permeated with the gospel. The same guy who wrote this, this, this amazing letter, he wrote another one to the church in Rome. When you're reading these books, by the way, these are, different, these are different churches in different cities. And he says this. This is where I want you to spend some time this week, every day. I pray every day you go to this, to this passage. Go to Romans 3 real quick. Look, he says this is, this is the gospel in a nutshell. We all need to be familiar with this. And I don't mean just familiar in your mind. I mean in your spirit, in your soul, in your thinking in your conversations, in your dealings, in your actions and reactions. This is the gospel. Watch this. Look, verse 23, 4. Everyone has sinned. You know what the Greek for everyone is? A1. <laughs> the guy who says he's a really good guy, him. The girl is like, man, I don't need to go to church. Her. You know, the one who says, man, okay, you too. You know who else? The Pope. You know who else? The priest. You know who else? Pastor Margo. Everyone has sinned. And we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. 
People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair because he can't let injustice go unpunished. God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. That's, what a crazy mystery. I can't go into that. He, he even covered people in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them what he would do in his present time. God did this to de- demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in him. Now, the key word believe there is more than just saying I believe. It implies action. It's what you do with what you believe. Verse 27. Can we boast then that we have done anything to accept by God? Can we say, oh, I've been catechized, baptized, and dunktized, and altar boy? It doesn't matter. Those things are are, are nothing compared to what Jesus has done for you. The gospel is not what you did for God, it's what God did for you. No, because our acquittal, look, you see the, you see the justice system word there? Our acquittal. Right? He acquitted us. We were guilty. Us charged. And he took it upon himself. My God, this is so good. I'm getting saved all over again. It's not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith, not by obeying the law. My friends, that's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That needs to permeate our souls. That needs to be ingrained in our minds because the hardest part, which I'm going to do a new series in March. I'm going to call it My Mind's Playing Tricks on Me. Shout out the ghetto boys. Because the hardest part is to actually believe it and walk it because your mind sometimes hasn't caught up to the revelation that you have been made right with God. So we're going to talk about that. I love the 90s, by the way. That's where I get all my revelations from. (laughs) So it needs to permeate our souls, our minds, our thinking, our actions and reactions that we live by the gospel. And you know how freeing that is? To try to stop being something that you're not. And just receive who you are. And who you're meant to be. But my friends, we know the gospel and now we bring the gospel. That's the second part. The second part is I have to own my story in this gospel. Because God doesn't want people to just hear about the gospel. He wants the gospel to permeate your soul. And it is, listen, catch this. It is through your story that the gospel is revealed. It is through you. That's why it's a waste of time to argue if the Bible is God's word or not. My friends, we can argue the Bible all day long, but the greatest evidence of this Jesus is you. You are the greatest evidence of this Jesus. Because here's the reality. People can poke holes into the Bible. There's arguments about it. You know, is, is it right? Is it wrong? You know, maybe it's, it's myth and, and all that stuff. We can get to all of that. But the reality is no one can refute your story. Right. It's your story. Right. 
One of the greatest testimonies in the Bible is a guy who was blind. He never saw anything before. And Jesus touched his eyes and healed him. And now they're questioning him. How do you know that was God? And how do you know this is the Bible? How do you know this is the right translation? How do you know Adam and Eve was real? How do you know that the flood really happened? And how do you know that Jonah didn't really go into the fish? Listen, he said, I don't know any of that. All I know is this. I was blind, but now I can see. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Oh, that's the, that's the beauty. What do you do with that? It's like, you guy was blind. And now he can see. And he's like, it's because of this man named Jesus. <laughs> Have you met Jesus? Has he changed your life? Then there is good news. You are the good news, my friends. You are the good news. You know how much pressure that takes off of you? Try to convince people. When you go to court, if you're a witness, your job is to just say what you heard or what you experienced or what you saw. Your job is not to embellish the truth. If you embellish the truth, you are no longer a credible witness. Now that will preach. In other words, stop trying to be someone that you're not. Just tell your story and what Jesus has done in your life. Because no one can refute your story. You know who you are. You know who you used to be. You know who you are now and what he's doing in your life. No one can take that away from you. That's the gospel. My God. Oh. I get so excited about the gospel. Don't keep it to yourself. That's the injustice. If Jesus touches you and you keep it to yourself. That's the injustice, my friend. You are called to be an ambassador now. You are called to bring good news to your workplace. Good news to your neighborhood. Good news to Facebook. Good news to Twitter. Good news to Instagram. That's the gospel, my friends. We permeate this world and we'll change it one soul at a time, one person at a time, one mission at a time. And every time they say yes to Jesus, we'll dunk them and say the old is gone and the new has come. That's the gospel. So as I close, my friends, there's two types of people here. Those who just need to come back to God. It's your turn. Maybe you thought, man, I'm here to support one of my friends. God's like, no, I want you too. This is not just for your friend. I love you too much. Just to watch your friend get changed. I want to change you too. I want to rescue you too. So let's stand all over this place. I'm going to close. Let's stand. The other group of people is Jesus has touched you. He has permeated your life. You're the good news. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't do this world the greatest injustice of not telling them there's good news. You found hope, bring hope. You found healing, bring healing. You found restoration, bring it. You found peace, bring it. Don't keep it to yourself. They say never talk about religion and politics. I agree. Let's talk about Jesus and what he's done for our lives. Let's talk about Jesus and what he's done in our lives. Amen. So I want to pray for you because God loves you too much. Too much. When you see a cross, that's how much he loves you. He would rather die than to live without you. That's how crazy he is about you. He wants you to forgive you. He wants to justify you. He wants to change you. I want to pray for those who are ready to say, I need to, I need to come to God. I need to live my life for God. So would you do me this favor? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray.
specifically for those who are ready to come back to God, to let Jesus do the beautiful exchange, your sin for his righteousness, your wrongdoing for his perfect sacrifice. It's your call today. He wants to save all of you, not some of you, all of you. So with every head bow, eyes closed. I'm going to pray this prayer. Let's all do it together, church, but especially you. We need to come back to God. We need to surrender your life to God. We just say, God, I heard you, and I'm responding. Jesus, I believe you are my righteousness. So today, I invite you into my life to forgive me, to cleanse me, to restore me, to begin the new normal in my life. I surrender all to you. My life is yours. My future belongs to you. I no longer live for myself. I live for you. So fill me with your spirit. I pray all this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.